to Ignite Depot. My name is Apostle Milton Jones. I want to thank you for taking the time out to join us tonight. Man, I guarantee you that this is a season, this is a word in due season that will ultimately change your life forever if you make a decision from the very beginning to give ears to what it is that you hear, to open your eyes so that you'll be able to see it and also to be able to open your heart and be ready to receive the engrafted word of God that it will ultimately change your life forever. Man, I'm going to tell you from the very beginning, this is not one of them cupcake messages. This is one of those messages that you're going to have to hear it, and then you're going to have to hear it, and then you're going to have to hear it, and then you're going to have to put a plan together on what it is that you're going to do as a result of what it is that you hear. See, it according to Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. So the more that you hear the word of God, the more that you have full persuasion, full confidence, and full trust in what it is that you hear. So I'm going to tell you, go ahead right now and go ahead and lean all the way in so you can hear what it is that the spirit of the Lord has to say unto you this evening in the name of Jesus. Now let's go ahead and I'm going to make this declaration. We're going to go ahead and jump into the word in the name of Jesus. In accordance to Isaiah 61, 1, it says this, that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, and to open in the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the avengers of our God, and to comfort all who mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise, for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old ways, and they shall raise up the former desolation. And they shall repair the way cities, the desolation of many generations. Father, we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise this day. We give you thanks, Father God, for this is the day which you have made. We will rejoice and we will be exceedingly glad. Thank you for this opportunity in your word. Thank you, Father God, for revelation knowledge that will come forth as a result of this word tonight. Father, I thank you that you have given us ears to hear it and eyes to see. And our hearts are open and ready to receive the engrafted word of God that will ultimately change our lives forever. Father, let my tongue be the pen of a ready writer, writing the very oracles and instructions of your word on the tablets of their hearts in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you right now and in covenant with you for miracles, signs, wonders, manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit as you see fit. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I decrease that you may increase. Let the people's Faith not lie in the wisdom of men, but let the people's faith lie in the manifested power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you, I honor you, and I praise you. And thank you for this opportunity to share your word in Jesus' name. Amen and glory to God. Well, last week we began talking about the great pretender. And we was talking about how that in the end time, there was going to be trying times. But there were one of the ways that Jesus was answering his disciples in Matthew chapter 24, he said, one of the signs, one of the indicators that you're going to be able to tell that you're at the end of this age, the age of grace. The way that you're going to find out is, I'll be able to tell that that time is coming close to an end, is deception will be running rampant. And we was talking last week about the great pretender. So if you didn't catch it last week's message, go back and catch that because that'll help you give you a little bit of context 
of where it is that we're going to be going today. Last week he was talking about, man, I need you to sound the alarm. Sound the alarm to my people and let them know that there's a time, there's a shifting, there's a shaking. There's a lot of things that's going on in the earth right now. And I want my people to be aware of what's going on. So what they're going to have to do in accordance with 2 Corinthians, as you were, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, he says, my people who are called by my name, they will humble themselves or submit themselves and come to me and pray. He says, and he said, and, and, and turn, turn away from their ways, turn and make an adjustment from the ways that they've been doing things. He says, and then purpose to seek his face. And we found out last week, the reason why you want to seek the face of God so that you can get the knowledge of God, the godly knowledge with comprehensive insight and wisdom, which is right use and exercise of godly knowledge. And we find that in, in Proverbs chapter four, verse seven, where it says that wisdom, godly wisdom is the principal chief most important, highest above all things. And it says, so get wisdom. He says, but with all you're getting, get understanding, get discernment on how to rightly use the wisdom, the right use of exercise of knowledge that he's given unto you for your everyday situation and circumstance. Why is that? Because there's trying times ahead. That's why we was talking about a couple of weeks ago, slippery slopes are ahead. In other words, things that used to be one way are not going to be that way anymore. And, and, and he's, he's preparing us and see the thing about God. So awesome about God is God never lets you walk into a situation that he doesn't warn you about before you get into it so that you can clearly see what's ahead of you so you can clearly see how you are to respond in that situation well one of the things he's really placed upon my heart this week is about the elephants in the room there are elephants that are in the room he says and people even though they can see it they are blatantly ignoring what's going on he says so i need you to go and to sound the alarm and tell my people first and foremost he says i declared he declared from the very beginning of this year he said this year Year, 2022 was going to be a year of correction, direction, protection, and perfection. We've been talking about how correction simply means just to raise things back up to a standard of truth. Sometimes think we have let things slip. And he says, so I'm going to raise things back up to a standard of truth. And when they raise back up to a standard of truth, when you see something new, it should cause you to do what? It should cause you to change direction and when you're changing direction you're going to change the ways that you've been going you may have been going this way at one point but then when you get this word of correction then it's going to shift you and point you in the way that you should go why would god spend time with correction why would he want you to switch direction ultimately it's for your protection protection for what from hurt harm danger famine sickness and disease plague all these things that are on horizon because we're living in perilous times. Now, some people was like, man, they've been saying that for years. Guess what? Just because they've been saying it for years doesn't make it any less true today than it was the very first time that you heard it. If anything, it should tell you you're getting closer and closer and closer to that day. And he says, I'm going to bring, I'm going to raise I'm going to bring about correction to point you in a new direction for your ultimate protection to bring you 
as an individual who receives the correction, who changes direction for their protection. Because you know, we're going to find out today, a lot of times people have, God has warned people ahead of time about this is what's coming. So I'm going to raise your level, your standard of truth. So it will point you in a different direction. And people, for whatever reason, begin to just blow them off. And he says, because it's ultimately for your perfection. Perfection means that you are whole, complete, wanting and lacking nothing. We talked about last week about this is a time of an awakening. There's a time of an awakening. God is sounding the alarm all over the world for whosoever will, who give it here ears. He's sounding the alarm in accordance to Romans chapter 13, verse number 11. We shared this last week about how, but he says this, he says, besides this, you know, a critical hour this is. He said, this is a critical hour. How it is high time for you to awake out of your sleep or to arouse to reality for your salvation. Your final deliverance is nearer to us than it was from when you first believed. See, the thing about it is, say you got born again five years ago, ten years ago. Your salvation, your deliverance, that final hour is closer to you now than it was when you first believed from the very beginning. What is what, what, what I'm saying? He says, he, Jesus said earlier, God said earlier this week, he says, he says, he says, lift up your head. He says, for your redemption draws nigh. So if your redemption draws nigh, that means that things, this thing is coming to a conclusion. This thing is coming to a head. This thing is coming to a point where, you know, all those precious promises, all those things he's promised to you. If you haven't seen them as yet, he says, hey, they're on their way. It's closer. It's closer. But what's also closer? What's also closer is the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His, 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 his return is imminent. If something's going to happen, no matter how much you try to put it all, want it away, there is an appointed day and there is an appointed time that he's going to return. He says, but before those things happen, something else is going to happen first. He says, this could be one of the greatest revivals the earth or church has ever seen before. He says, but before that happens, I got to get my people ready. I got to get them positioned. I got to get them to the point of uh, a higher standard of truth and get them pointed in a new direction because the adversary who is out here to try to steal, kill, and destroy you, he's turned up his game because he also knows that the end of this thing is drawing Nah, so he's throwing everything at you, but except the kitchen sink. But can I give you something to, to hang on to? God's grace is sufficient for you. God's grace, and according to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, God's grace, it is sufficient for you. For when you appear to be weak, then are you made strong. You're made strong in him. Can I also tell you something? And according to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says that God always causes you to triumph in Christ Jesus. He always, always, always causes you to triumph in Christ Jesus. But in order to triumph, you're going to have to do it God's way. Now, when you're talking about correction, we talked about, you know, some people will receive the correction. Other people will not receive that correction. But why would God take the time out to correct us in the first place? Well, Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 11, in the Passion Translation, says it so clearly. It says, for, for my children, when the Lord God speaks to you, never take his words lightly. 
and never be upset when he corrects you. Never be upset when he corrects you. Why? Verse 12 says it. For the father's discipline only comes from the from his passionate love and pleasure for you. God only chases you. God only corrects you because he loves you and he cares for you. He, and just like a good parent, you don't want anything bad to happen to your child. What you, what you will do whatever you need to do to be able to make sure that your child is protected, that your child is safe. So God says, don't, don't, don't push off the correction. Don't resist the correction. He says, because whom he, who God, who God loves, he corrects. In fact, it says this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7, he says, fully embrace God's correction. He says, as part of your training, he says, for he is doing what any loving father does for his children. For who has ever heard of a child who never had to be corrected? Do you know of any child who's never had to be corrected? I don't know not one child who's never had to be corrected. He says we should welcome, we should always welcome God's discipline as a validation of his authentic sonship. For if we have never once endured his correction, it only proves we are strangers and not sons. And isn't it true that we respect our earthly fathers even though they corrected us and disciplined us? Then we should demonstrate an even greater respect for God, our spiritual father, as we submit to his discipline or to his correction. Now, most people think that, hey, man, when God corrects you, how does God correct you? Does he correct you with calamity? Does he correct you with chaos? Does he bring sickness and disease upon you? Some people teach that foolishness, that God brings sickness and disease upon you to try to correct you. The problem with that is, is what if you die before you learn this lesson? What happens? Why would he bring bring poverty upon you because in order to try to teach you something? Those are, that simply means they have a knowledge of God, but they really don't understand the character and nature of God. One of the mandates of this ministry is to is to represent God. What does represent? Re, re, re represent him. Represent him. Who what he who he really is and what his true desire is for your life. And you're going to find out if you stay connected to this ministry long enough, God is not sitting up there with some kind of mallet, just waiting for you to mess up so he can bust you upside the head. I hit you with lightning. I hit you with cancer because he wants to tell you something. I kill one of your loved ones because he needs another flower in the garden. All those are religious, foolish thinking and sayings that people have come up with to explain away the fact that they got outside of the will of God and they refused to receive the correction that he had. Can chaos happen to you? Yes. Can sickness and disease come? Yes. Can poverty and lack come? Yes. But none of them come by God. None of them. Because it says in James chapter one, that every good gift, every perfect gift comes from the father above. God has no death in him. There's no evil in God. He doesn't even tempt you with evil. He doesn't even try to lead you. With, he's not tempted with evil. Neither does he tempt anyone. So if anybody says God is trying to tempt me because he wants to he wants to test me, that's not God. If you go back and read James chapter 12, James chapter 1, I believe it's in verse 12 and go from 12 down, it tells you how temptation comes, what 
how you ended up in temptation, but simply because temptation comes doesn't mean you have to give into it. If you give into it, it's not because you didn't have a choice. And you're going to find that out also today when we're talking about the elephants in the room. Now, how does God correct? So many people ask the question, how does God correct? You know, if he doesn't use chaos, if he doesn't use calamity, if he doesn't use all these things, how does he correct? I'm so glad you asked because 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 explains exactly how he corrects. It says this, it says, every scripture is God breathed given by his inspiration. I'm reading out of the Amplified. And profitable for the scriptures are used to do what? They're profitable or beneficial for instruction, for reproof and conviction of sin, for correction of error and discipline and obedience, and for training in righteousness and holy living in conformity to to, to God's will, his thoughts, his purpose, and action. So God doesn't need to use calamity to, to try to teach you something. He doesn't need to bring about chaos to try to teach you something. All those things are a result of actions or decisions made by individuals or groups or even nations. So when you see chaos and confusion and destruction, you already know none of that comes from God. What happens is, is this. People, see, this is the thing. There is a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, but there is also a law of sin and death. There are laws in the earth still today. And so many people, if you don't know God for yourself, if you don't know his word, if you haven't spent any time reading for yourself, I'm not talking about what you heard somebody else say. I'm talking about what you can read and prove out for yourself. There's a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, according to the word of God, according to the kingdom of God. But there's also a law of sin and death. And both of those laws are in the earth today. Now, whether you get the law of the spirit of life, the results of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus or the law of sin and death depends on which one of those which one of those laws you are operating according to. If you're operating according to the word of God. And in line with the kingdom of God, you will operate according to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which supersedes the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death means you are you are going against what it is that that word that the word of God has to say. You're living according to your own logical understanding, whatever feels good that you you got that the YOLO life. You only live once. So you wild it out. You're doing whatever you think you could do. You're doing whatever the world dictates. Whatever the world says is acceptable. That's what you accept. That's what you're accepting. But if what the world says goes against what it is God's word says, you are now operating according to the law of sin and death. And with operating according to that law, whether you believe it or not, whether you agree with it or not, whether you, whether you want to accept it or not, when you operate opposite to the word of God, you are operating according to the law of sin and death, and there are consequences that come with it. Just like when you operate according to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, there are consequences or are results that happen as a result of operating according to that law. Those laws, the thing about a law is it works every time, just like the law of gravity. It works every time. Whether you believe it or not, the law still 
works. So God did not doesn't bring about chaos. He doesn't bring about confusion. He doesn't he doesn't use chaos and confusing calamities and destruction to try to teach you. And when he wants to correct you, he uses his word. What does he say? He says if every scripture is is God breathed, is given by his inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for reproof, con conviction of sins, for correction of errors, for discipline and obedience, and for training in righteousness and holy living and conformance to the God's will and in its thoughts and its purpose and action. Why does he correct? So that the man or woman of God may be complete and proficient, well fitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Isn't that the same thing is I'm going to bring, I'm, there's, this is a year of correction, raise you up to a standard, a new level standard of truth to bring about direction, to point you in the way that you should go for your protection to ultimately bring you to a place of perfection in the name of Jesus. Now you might ask the question, why me? Why Why now? Why, why, why are you sharing this word with us now? Why are you the one who's sharing this word? Well, you know, I asked God that exact, exact same question. And this is what he said. He said this. He says, in accordance with Isaiah 40 and 3, he says, there has to be a voice of one crying in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord, making straight in the desert a highway for our God. So he needs voices. He needs, just like John the Baptist. When John the Baptist came on the scene, John the Baptist came on the scene. And this was John, the purpose of John the Baptist. He was the forerunner for Jesus Christ. He was the one who began to announce, even before Jesus began his ministry, that the kingdom of God was at hand, that the kingdom of heaven, the influence of the king, an influence of God, in this territory, in this domain, was at hand and it was readily available. And he said, and he kept telling people to repent. What does that word repent mean? Make a decision to turn from what it, the direction that you're going. So what is why am why is he telling us now? And why is he telling me? He says, I need you to go out and announce to my people to to announce to be a voice to be a voice crying in the wilderness preparing the way of the lord making straight in the desert a highway for our god i am what's known i am a forerunner i'm a forerunner for that which is to come and i'm here to sound the alarm for whosoever we're here i'm also what's known as a watchman on the wall what does a watchman do well in according to ezekiel 33 and 7 this is what a watchman does it says this it says so son of man i have made you a watchman he told me this i have made you a watchman over this land he says therefore you shall hear a word from my mouth god says you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. So when I, as a watchman on the wall, God, I'm spending time with God. God speaks a word and, and I hear the word. He said, now as my mouth feeds, you go out and you announce or you warn them for me. He says, when I say to the wicked, he says, oh, wicked man, you shall surely die. And if I, as the watchman, do not speak and warn the wicked man of his ways, that wicked man shall die in his iniquities, but his blood God will require at my hands. He says, but nevertheless, if you warn them, and that's what I'm doing, if I warn them, 
the wicked man to turn from his ways, and he does not turn from his ways. He shall die in his iniquity, but I shall be delivered, uh, but I shall have delivered my soul. In other words, I warned them. I told them what was coming. I warned them and told them, hey, this, remember, God is warning you. God is telling you. God is correcting, not because he's mad, not because he's angry, but because he loves you and he loves me. He also goes on to say, in accordance to Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, still talking about why now and why me. He says this, he says, behold, this is what the Spirit of the Lord said. He says, behold, I am going to send my messenger and he will clear the way before me. Jesus said, I'm going to send my messenger. Jesus' messenger was John the Baptist. And he went to do what? To clear the way for him. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. God said, he's going to suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming. And I'm telling you, Jesus is coming. He says this, he says, says the Lord of hosts, he says, but he's asking, who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? He says, for he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller soul. What does refiner do? It purges out the impurities. What does soap do? It washes out any spots. Our stains. He says, and he will sit as a smelter and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi, and he will refine them like gold and, and silver, so that they may present to the Lord offerings and righteousness. What did he say in Ephesians chapter 5? He says, by the washing of the waters, by the word. By the washing of the waters, by the word. What do you do? You take the word and you wash out fear doubt, unbelief, poverty, lack, sickness and disease, any areas that are that, that are tainted, you take that word and when you begin to speak the word, you're washing them, you're washing and you're cleansing and you're purifying so that you may be able to present it so he can, he's presenting, he's washing it by the word. And like a refiner's fire, he's purifying. And like a, like a smelter, and he's purifying like silver and gold. So he might present you to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. So when all these things are happening, God says in Amos chapter 3, he says, Shall the Lord do not do, uh, uh, so, so shall the, the Lord does nothing. God, nothing happens unless God reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. Nothing happens unless he reveals it. See, you got to understand that God has already revealed his plan for you and for me. He's already demonstrated what his will is for you and for me. In fact, he said in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says this, he says, the thief, talk about the adversary, he only comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. So how do you want to know if something is going on in your life, if it's from God or if it's from something as a result of the adversary influencing on your life? He says, does it steal? Does it kill? Does it destroy? If any, if any of the things that you're experiencing in your life fall into that category, you are being 
influenced or you are being impacted by the adversary. Adversary wants to bring steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. But Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life in abundance to the full until it overflows. He never came to take life from you. Jesus came to give life to you. In fact, he was so committed to getting life to you that in verse 11, it says, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He gave his life for you. He gave his life for me. Why? So that we might have life in abundance to the full until it overflows. But you got to understand there's an adversary. His name is Satan. They call him the devil. Guess what? He hates you. He doesn't just dislike you. He hates you. In fact, he's a liar. He's a murderer. In fact, he was a he was a liar and murderer from the beginning. How do you know this? Because Jesus said it in John chapter 8, verse 44. He said he's talking to the Pharisees who wanted to kill Jesus. Jesus says this. He says, you are of your father, the devil. He says, and you want to do the, the desires of your father, the devil. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. There's no truth in him. So when the adversary begins to talk to you, you already know he's lying. How do you know he's lying? Because his mouth is moving because there is no truth in him. How do you know there's no truth in him? How do you know that when the devil is talking to you and, and he's lying to you because it goes on to say, whenever he speaks, whenever he Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own nature, for he is a liar and he's the father of lies. When you hear somebody who's blatantly lying or deceiving or manipulating or, 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 or misconstruing information, you already know they're being influenced by the adversary. And one of the greatest tricks he got over on so many people, even believers in the church, is he does not exist. You know, there are so many people believe him. That, that the devil is just a, uh, a image of uh, representing evil. No, he is a person. He's a real person. And that real person is, is the elephant in the room. And that real person is a puppet, is a puppeteer. And he has people who he's operating through because they're under his influence, even though they may not even know they're under his influence, that, that he's using to get his agenda across in the earth. How do you know he's doing the, all these things? Because there's nothing new under the sun. See, the way that you know that he was a liar from the very beginning is because there's nothing new under the sun. In fact, he convinced the serpent to yield his body so that he could come into his body and have expression in the earth. You have to understand a spirit, a demon spirit, or even in the Holy Spirit has no expression in the earth unless somebody yields themselves to him. The adversary can only have expression in the earth if somebody yields themselves to him. The same way God gets expression in the earth is when his people yield themselves to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit or who's on the inside of them if they're born again. And when they yield themselves to him, then he's able to have expression and he's able to, to present who he is, what his desire is, and show you how to operate according to the kingdom of God. The adversary got to convince the serpent 
to yield his body to him so he could have expression in the earth. And even all the way back in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3, you see him, his, see this trickery that he does and how he operates. And this is what he does. He's, remember, he's a liar and he's a murderer. It says this in Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 it says this. It says, "Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made." And this and what he did, he so he says this to the he finds the woman. He says, "Has God indeed said, you should not eat of every tree of the garden?" In other words, he's he's trying to He's testing her to see if she knows what it is God says. And of course, she's like, no, we can eat of every tree of the garden. He says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that's in the midst of God, he said, we shall not eat of it, neither shall we touch it. For in the day that we touch it, we shall surely die. Now, Eve got part of it right. That's why I'm telling you, you got to go back and study the word for yourself. Eve got part of it right, but she added something to it that God never said. And just like it was talking about earlier, how when people will say, you know, God uses calamity to try to teach you something. There's nowhere you're going to find it in the word. God's using this to try to, to show you something. There's nowhere that he's going to, he uses his word. His word is, is expressed intent of, of what his desire is for your life. So why would he have to try to do something to you in order to make you do it? Because what if you don't learn the lesson? You could die before you learn the lesson or you could you could waste away before you get the truth of what it is being said. His word is his intent. Just like when somebody dies, they leave his last will and testament. That last will and testament is what? The person's desires and intents for whatever properties or possessions they had before they left. This is what they wanted to happen with it. This is what they meant when they said, give Aunt Bonnie 50,000, give Boo Boo 10,000. This was their will and this is their intent and is written and down made up of words. The Bible is a, is a testament. And what is that? The agreement of the will and intent of the father. There is no difference. So he's t so God told Adam, hey, you can eat of every tree in his garden. He says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. God said it directly to Adam. Adam passed that message on to Eve. Now, what did the serpent say? Talk about how when he speaks, he lies. What he says, then the serpent said to the woman, you won't surely die. What? You should you won't surely die. In fact, God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like him, knowing good and evil. What did he just say? He said he said this. He said this. He said, he said, you're not gonna die. Well, see what really is going on. God is trying to hold some stuff back from you. He don't want to give you the full deal right now because he don't want you to be just like him. They was but the thing about him, they was already made in his image. They was already made in his likeness. The only thing they did not know at the time was evil. All they knew was good. All they was operating according to was the kingdom of God. And the very thing that they had the authority and dominion over was the very thing that was trying to get dominion over them because the adversary knew he could not make them do anything. He had to present them with a false narrative and get them to make the decision to violate the word of God. That's the same thing that's going on today. He can't make you do anything. 
All he can do is present you with a false narrative by way of social media, by way of uh, internet, by way of news, by way of people putting out uh, blogs and all these other things to do what? To try to present a false narrative to you. He says, in fact, God goes so far as to say, well, Jesus goes so far as to say this. And his goal is trying to get you to understand, don't be so caught up with this world system because this world is destined to pass away. In fact, he says this in First John chapter 2, because you got to understand the way that the adversary got Adam and Eve tripped up in the garden was through the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh. And the pride of life. What was he, he want, he's trying to do? The same thing that, the, that Jesus said that he his whole mode of operation was. He came to steal. He wanted to steal their identity so that he could kill their purpose so that he could destroy their life. How did he do it? Through the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Lust of the eye, it looks, it looks good to the eye. Lust of the flesh, it seemed like it would be beneficial. But the pride of life means it will position me or give me position in something that I believe I'm lacking. Adam and Eve lacked no good thing. They, they had all the resources they would ever need. They had all the provisions they were already need. And they were already made in the image and likeness of God. So the very things that the adversary was trying to convince them that God was trying to keep from them was the very thing that they already had. What he was really projecting was what he desired was to, to look good before people, to, to be well thought of before people. He wanted people to worship him, to obey him, just like that's how he ended up getting killed from heaven because he tried to position himself or operate in a way he was not authorized to. He wanted people to worship him just like he was leading worship of God. He, want, they want, he wanted people to obey him just like people was obeying God. And they wanted people to bow down to him just like they was bowing down and submitted to God. His tricks never change. And it's the same thing he's doing today. That's why it says in, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, he says, do not love the world or the things of this world. Don't get so caught up in this world system. Don't get so caught up in this world because, you know, if you live 70 years, 100 years, 120 years, what is that compared to eternity? You're making, you're making a, a decision in your life for eternity. Everyone's going to live forever. So let's get that out there. Everyone's going to live forever. The only thing you're deciding right now is where you're going to live, whether you're going to live uh, in the kingdom of God or in, in God's uh, new heaven and new earth, or if you're going to spend an eternity in the, with the adversary and his leg of fire uh, because you have made a decision to rebel or turn away from God's way of doing things to operate according to the law of sin and death. You are the deciding factor. But God says, but the word of God says this. He says, don't love the things, don't love the world, nor the things in this world. He says, if anyone loves the world, and I'm talking to the church. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. He says, for all that is in the world. These are the things that are all in the world. Are this Babylonian system, are this, are this world's way of doing things. He says, everything that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. All those things is not of the Father. 
but of the world. He says, and the world, this world, as you know it, is passing away. And the lust of it is passing away. He says, but he or she who does the will of the Father, does the will of God, abides forever. If you're doing the will of God, you will abide forever. See, the thing about it is, is because there's such a lack of knowledge in the world today because there's now mind you there's not a lot of information there's not a lack of knowledge meaning is not available to them but there, when there is a lack of the knowledge of the things of god things begin to happen in the earth and you begin to see the manifestation remember we talked about the law of spirit of life in christ jesus and the law of sin and death when people operate according to the law of sin and death they operate opposite to the law the law of spirit of life in christ jesus and there are consequences that come with it we hear this and see this in hosea chapter 4 and this is where we're going to uh, end up today it says this it says you know he says in hosea chapter 4 verse 1 he says this he says listen to the word of the lord o sons of israel for the lord has a case against the inhabitants of the land. Why does God have a case or have an issue or contention with the people of the land? He says, because there is no faithfulness uh, or kindness or knowledge of God in the land. So when you start beginning to start, stop being faithful, stop demonstrating kindness, but more so you can't demonstrate faithfulness and kindness if there's no knowledge of God in the land. He says, because there, he says, when you take out the knowledge of God in the land, when you take out knowledge of God in schools, when you take out knowledge of God in governments, when you take out the knowledge of God in communities and in nations, he says, this is what's going to happen. He says, because there is no, no faithfulness or, or no knowledge or no kindness, he says, or no knowledge of God in the land, he says, this is what happens. There are swearings and deceptions, murder and stealing and adultery. He says, they employ violence. So that bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore, the land mourns and everyone who lives in it is languishing. He says, along with the beasts of the field and the birds and the, and the, of the sky and also the fish of the sea disappear. He says, when you have no knowledge of God in the land, when you have no one is, is, is living according to the to the dictates of the word of God, uh, lining up with the kingdom of God. When you are having people who have turned away from the things of God and turned to the things of this world, when you begin to love the world more so than you love God, then all these things begin to happen. As a result, you are operating according to the death cycle. Remember, Deuteronomy chapter 30 says this, I've said before you, life and death, blessings and curses, choose life that you and your family might live but if you choose death god didn't choose it for you if you choose death then all the and by turning away from god's way of doing things then all these things will begin to happen and that's exactly what happened in adam and eve if you want to see how this thing works just look at adam and eve god gave his word remember his word is always word correction correction came the word of god came a standard of truth came to point the Adam and Eve in a direction for their protection from all evil, hurt, harm, and danger to bring about perfection. But when they made a decision to turn away from the correction of the word that they had, what happened? They, tur they 
they rejected the correction. They didn't go make a turn. They turned in another direction as opposed to being in protection. Their protection fell and then they were not perfected because then they took on a whole different nature. And he says that's the same thing that happens here when there's no knowledge of God in the land. He says that my people will Ultimately, this is what happens in verse number six. He says this. He says, my people are being destroyed. And, and that word destroyed in Hebrew talks about how they're being undone or brought to silence or they're perishing or they're being cut down for their lack of knowledge. Now, listen to this far. Be, not because knowledge wasn't available to him, but because you have rejected or cast off or despised or disdain, you, you was contempted against the knowledge of God. He says this, he says, and I will also reject you from being my priest because he's dealing with the priest because the priests were the ones who were supposed to give out the laws, instructions, and, uh, 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 and principles of God, and they stopped doing it. He says, and because you have because you have forgotten the laws and teachings and instruction, he said, I will also forget you. What did they do? They actively became oblivious to the memory of God's laws, teachings, and instructions. So when you're seeing all kind of chaos going on in the land today, when you're seeing all kind of confusion going on in the land today, understand there is an adversary behind it and he is the puppeteer and what he's doing is he's trying to he's trying to do the same thing with you as and me as he did with adam and eve in the garden he's trying to get us to turn away from god's word he's trying to get us to turn away from the knowledge of god he's trying to get you to turn away from truth because he is a liar and every time he speaks he lies. And if you just listen to some of the news that's going on, the stuff that people are saying, you know, is a lie. But people are believing hook, line and sinker. Why? Because many people, believers, have forgotten their responsibility to blow and sound the trumpet to share the word of God, to teach people about the knowledge of God. Even people who stand behind a pulpit, they become like self-help books. You know, the crazy... The, the ironic thing about self-help, if you could self-help yourself, then you wouldn't need help in the first place. I mean, think about that for a second. Self-help. If you could figure out your own problem, you probably wouldn't be in that problem in the first place. That means you need to get help higher than what caused the issue in the first place. That help comes from the Father, which is above. See, God's thing is this. He loves you. He loves me. He loved the world. He loved the world so much he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, for the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But you have to make a decision. See, though everything with God starts with the word. Remember, the correction starts with the word. And when you hear the word, then you got to make a decision to either stay the course you've been going or change your direction based off of the word that you heard. And if you make a decision to change your direction based off the word you heard, it brings you to a place of uh, protection from all harm, evil, hurt, harm, and danger. And ultimately, to bring you to a place of perfection where you're whole, complete, lacking nothing. The word of God has gone forth today. In fact, it says in Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10, that the word of God is near you. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. It's the word of faith that we preach, that if you will confess acknowledge with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that Jesus is now Lord head over your life. And he says, if you, and that God raised him from the dead, he says, you shall be saved. What does that word say me? Healed, delivered, set free, protected, 
and made whole. He says, for with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. He says, but with your mouth, you got to open up your mouth as, a, as an acknowledgement or confession of salvation, healing, deliverance, protection, and wholeness. I want to give you an opportunity to do that tonight. How do you go about doing it? Man, it's so simple. Now that you, we're, we're exposing the elephant in the room, we're exposing that the adversary is the one who, who's trying to steal your life, kill your life, and destroy your life. But Jesus came to give you life in abundance to the full until it overflows. All you have to do is pray this prayer with me. Say it out of your mouth. Remember, you got to open it. You got to acknowledge with your mouth what you believe out of your heart. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my sins for me. I believe he's risen. He's alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me right now. I turn from sin and I follow after you. Right now, I believe I'm born again. Right now, I believe I'm in the kingdom of God. And right now, I receive salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you pray that prayer for the very first time, I want to welcome you into the kingdom of God. Welcome you back into the things of God. Man, we're so glad to have you back. Now, what do you do now? Man, now that you're born again from above, your spirit has been, has been made new. What do you do now? You got to get in a word-based church that teaches you about the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, but also teaches you about the love of God and the kingdom of God. We know Ignite Depot is such a place. So, man, join us here each Saturday at 6 p.m. Six, each Saturday, 6 p.m. online here, man. We're here to share the word of God with you. From, from from front to back, side to side, cover to cover. We'll teach you not only what the word says, but how to apply it to your everyday life. Now, if you missed the broadcast on Saturday, man, check us out again here on Thursday because we rebroadcast the same message again on Thursday. But you can also catch our podcast. Our podcast, Ignite the Number Two Life. Ignite the Number Two Life. Actually, <clears throat> You can listen to our podcast and you will hear this message and all the other messages that we have done up to this point. You want to make sure you go back and listen to this message again. You got to understand there is an adversary and the adversary wants to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus is the one that came to give you life in abundance to the full until it overflows. We're exposing the elephants in the room. Man, join us next week here at 6 p.m. Until then, Pastor Julian and an entire, an entire night nation, we want to thank you for joining us. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.